when I get to the end of the uh, the life and like if we're going to have something written on our gravestone, it's not going to be like she had an amazing couch or, you know, her curtains were fantastic. You know, that's <laughs> not the stuff that's going to leave, you know, that's not our legacy. Like, what do you really want to create space for in your life? And like, really sit down and think about that for yourself and or for your family. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. Today, I have a really heartfelt, amazing interview to share with you guys from my longtime minimalist friend, Marissa. Marissa is currently running a booming YouTube channel all about her minimalist lifestyle and her journey through decluttering. But she did always live such a clutter-free lifestyle. In fact, she was maybe running along the lines of becoming a hoarder, which was also something that ran in her family. So we had the chance to sit down and talk about how she and her family decluttered 95% of their belongings and how they really never looked back, even when it came to getting rid of some of the tough stuff. This is an amazing episode for those of you who have really struggled to let go of the things that you value from people that you've lost. Uh, If you are someone who has a lot of emotional attachment to your things and struggle with letting go of stuff that was handed down to you from people who have left this earth, you are going to enjoy this amazing heartfelt chat between Marissa and I. It was so good. So curl up. You're not going to want to miss any of it. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Renee. I'm so glad that you're here. So for anyone who's listening, Marissa and I have kind of gone through sort of our minimalist journeys together while kind of watching one another do them on Instagram. So this is really exciting because there was a time where you said like you could, you said you knew we would both be making like really big waves as far as minimalism and decluttering. And you were totally right, which I'm, I'm so I'm really excited to be able to sit and chat today. I totally predicted it. Uh, so for anyone who's you know hasn't seen your story or hasn't followed because marissa's got like over two hundred thousand on youtube 
for your minimal? Yeah, it's yeah? it's two hundred and just over two hundred and twenty thousand now on YouTube, and uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing that I. I hoped that someday I could help a lot of people and reach a lot of people. And I never expected that I would reach this many people. So it's pretty exciting. It is. It's been so amazing. So for anyone who hasn't seen yet, Marissa's YouTube is A to Zen. uh, And she totally just shares really inspiring minimalist based content. A to Zen life. Yeah. So what I do is I always say I help people. I teach people the A to Z of simplifying their homes and restoring balance to their lives. Yeah. I love it. It's so perfect. Uh, sorry. I forgot the life part. there. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. That's the A okay. to Zen is really, you know, um, yeah. so if for people who are just listening for just tuning in, just learning about you, when would you say that your minimalist journey started? So this is an interesting question because I'm like, do I start from the time where I started decluttering or do I go all the way back to where I first started accumulating the clutter? And this is a a hard question to ask because I mean, I think I first started having clutter problems back after I lost my mother when I was nine years old and then, uh, hoarding runs in my family and, you know, letting go of things was always a big problem in my family. So like accumulation started way back then, but I was holding all uh, onto all of this stuff for years and years, decades, really. And then I had started, we had moved a bunch of times, like we had moved to, China and then back to the US. And then within the US, we had moved several times and we had just moved to a new place. And I had finally gotten more space. So we were in a townhome and I was back in my home state of Indiana and we had enough space where I could finally start bringing back things that I hadn't, I had been storing in other people's houses because after I lost, I lost my mom when I was nine. I lost my dad uh, in my early 20s and like, my childhood home and a bunch of family members. And so I was just a poor college student who had basically nothing except a bunch of stuff after that. So my stuff was kind of living in other people's houses and other people's basements and closets. And so I finally had enough space when we moved back to my home state to bring it all home. And that's when I just really saw everything that I had accumulated over the years all in one place. And it was really overwhelming. And so at that point, I remember I was chatting with my neighbor And she also had just downsized from a five bedroom home and uh, she was an empty nester. Her boys had moved out and she was getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And she was like, you should totally check out this uh, Marie Kondo book, uh, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. What's it about? And so on her recommendation, I got that book and it just kind of was the impetus for starting this journey. Wow. That's so crazy. And I think, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, I did know that about you, but I kind of forgot that, you know, right. I, I think that's so awesome. Cause it speaks to so many people. Um, you know, it's funny how I feel like our journeys are similar in the sense that we, you know, we've lost parents. Um, but you kind of had to go into it as like you said, a college student and all you had was the stuff that was left behind. Yes. All I had was the stuff that was left behind. And that's why it was just really so hard for me. Like 
I didn't even think about letting go. Like, you know, and it was like the stuff I was like, that's all I have left. You know, what am I going to do if I don't have this stuff left? But holding onto it was keeping me very, very stuck in the past, which I'm sure we can talk about the emotions of that and all that later. But my neighbor introduced me to the book and then also something that she was doing and that I also did, which I think not a lot of people do is uh, because I feel like both of us are really into like frugal living and financial minimalism. Like, I know you feel me on this. I was, I started selling a lot of stuff on eBay because she was the one that got me into that. She was selling a lot of stuff on eBay too. So I found it very personally helpful and healing to have that connection with people where I knew that the things that I wanted to send off were finding exactly the home that they, you know, I wanted them to go to somewhere where they would be rehomed with love, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I love that. So you kind of started with Marie Kondo, um, you know, and I guess I would ask you like, what impacts were you able to make from that book? And then was there something that really launched you into like full gear? Cause Again, if for anyone who ha- who hasn't followed your story, like you had a lot of the stuff that you accumulated from your parents, but um, it's mostly gone now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So we, I started with Marie Kondo, but I I always say that I took it a lot further than I think she did, and a lot of people get Marie Kondo and minimalism confused, but she is not a minimalist. And, you know, she teaches people decluttering, but she's not really in a minimalism space. And she says that very specifically many times. And so I think that an important part of the journey for me was also figuring out how to be more minimal and not just declutter my stuff, but also be more intentional with what I'm bringing into my home, being more intentional with what I devote my energy and time and space to. And so I think that I, you know, it was a great starting point for me (laughs) and I tripped myself up several times, but I ended up going a lot further than I ever expected to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what, like, would you say if, cause Marie kind of was, you know, kind of maybe the start for it. And I I agree. Like, um, I would say she's probably more along organization, you know, and I, I love that. Um, I love like her folding methods and things like that. And I guess, cause we're on the topic, Marie Kondo got some heat last year because she has kids now and said that her home isn't always tidy. Uh, and so many people were just ready and waiting with the backlash. So did, I don't know if you heard about that, but then what do you think about it? I totally heard about it. And I was like, yes, finally, you know, uh, I don't, I don't think she should get any heat for it whatsoever. I think that that's what us who have been minimalist moms have been saying for a really long time is like, it is possible to declutter with kids. It is possible to have a tidy home with kids. It doesn't mean that your home is always you know, completely tidy, but it means it's easier to keep tidy and everything just becomes so much more simplified and you have so much more, the less inventory you have, the more bandwidth you have in other areas to give more to the things that are the most important to you. Right. So like, because I don't have to spend so much time cleaning up and taking care and maintaining the stuff in my home, then I have more time to like, you know, play with my kids or, you know, help people with, uh, you know, decluttering on my YouTube channel and this and that. So I have more time to devote to the things that bring me the most joy. 
Absolutely. That's what I never really talked about it, but I've always, I always thought that like Marie Kondo was never going, she was never mom shaming or like judging people. She was just giving some tools to keep a more organized home. And I, I think we imagine it made it that much easier for her going into motherhood. Right. You know, it's still going to be messy, but yeah, I think that, you know, what she shared was very achievable and realistic for the point that she was at in her life. And the thing about both decluttering and minimalism, it's like not a one and done thing. It's not, you do it once and then you never ever have to do it again because things change, you know, clothes wear out. They need to be replaced. You know, you might move houses and your couch might not fit. Who knows what problems can come up. So like you have to be able to stay flexible with these things and not be such a fixed mindset. And I think that, that, you know, people just want to point fingers and be like, oh, ha ha, see, you were wrong. But I don't think so. I just think it's a natural, natural progression of life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're so right. Um, so the whole topic here for us was talking about how you decluttered 95% of your stuff. So I love that you shared uh, because I think so many people can relate to you in the sense, like a lot of people are holding on to that emotional clutter. So I would say, did you set like a goal for yourself? Cause you started Marie Kondo and kind of ease, but was there a time where you were like, all right, I'm going to cut back on 95% of my stuff. Did you ever say that? Or how did you get to that point? Never, never. I, I didn't really set very clear goals for myself in the beginning. And I think that that's probably why it took me as long to declutter as it did. So it actually, I started in 2016 and then we still moved like several times during that time period. And I started and then we moved. And after that move, one or two of the moves, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have to schlep this stuff around as, you know, anymore. It's so much. And I just boxing it and unboxing it and all of that, just such a headache. And I was like, I just kind of made the loose goal that like the next time we want to move, I don't want to have to move all of this stuff. So like, I wanted to be done by then, but it was like, we didn't have, uh, we were looking for a house in the U.S., spoiler alert, we didn't end up buying a house in the U S we ended up moving up over, uh, moving overseas, which, and, uh, after we got rid of 95% of our stuff, but that was a surprise, but like, I never set a clear goal other than I wanted to have, uh, you know, be done decluttering before the next move. But, and I think that not having a clear goal and also being a little bit too relaxed also slowed down my decluttering journey. Cause I started in 2016. I didn't finish the big declutter until we moved in 2019. So that's like three years. And I also, during that time was still like, I would take my stuff and go to the thrift store and drop it off. But then I'd go around to the front of the thrift store and I'd go in the thrift store just, just for a peek, like air quotes, a peek, but a peek is always like, you know, me finding these great deals. And because I was selling my stuff on eBay, I was like, you know, I'll get it. And then I know that if I don't want it, I can always resell it and it's not a big deal. And I thought that I was, you know, being, I was having fun and I was being frugal and I could make some extra cash, but really, really what I was doing was just adding to my workload. Yeah, I can totally relate. Um, I talk a lot about how I remember this one time where I was making a trip to donations and I had all this stuff in my trunk and I, I always felt so accomplished and so proud of myself after these big declutter sessions. And then I had this epiphany. I was like, 
I'm doing this all the time though, but not getting anywhere. So I was like, I'm actually just, I'm not really doing anything. Cause it was almost like I had a barometer for how much stuff I wanted in my life <laughs> and I would get rid of something and then fill it right back up. Like I had to come back to that point. Um, and that was kind of the cycle that I was in for so long. So I totally relate to that. Yeah. So I think a big part of my learning experience was learning that I had to stop the inflow in order to be able to see progress in the outflow. And for me, that was a big mindset shift that needed to happen. And I think that's where I moved from just simply decluttering to having more of a minimalist mindset. And I like, I have never read, I never read a single book about minimalism. I never sat there and said like, I'm going to become a minimalist. Like it was a completely organic experience. And then it wasn't until we'd decluttered 95% of our stuff and moved to Europe, which I can come back to in a second. And then I started my YouTube channel about decluttering. And I was kind of like, oh, I think I'm a, I think we're a minimalist family. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> that's so funny. And that's so something I, something that's similar that I say is I started reading a lot of spiritual books for when my journey started, you know, uh, and it was more that, and I had a friend throw in like Joshua Becker's, um, book up on practicing minimalism with kids. And I read his book, but it was kind of like, okay, that's, that's good for you. Like, okay, I, I'll take that. I hear it. But it wasn't ever anything. Like I didn't, I didn't read a ton of minimalist content or really consume it, but it was just this liberation of getting rid of the stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, very um, liberating. So I also know, I remember you sharing as you were going through I, like your garage. I feel like you had a garage that was filled with stuff. If I'm remembering right. Yes. Um, and you would share these really vulnerable, open, honest, emotional, hard moments. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little on that? Yeah, absolutely. I love to talk about this stuff because I feel like uh, hardly anyone talks about it. Like I cannot remember. I think speaking of Marie Kondo, when we first were like right towards the end of our decluttering, I think she released her Netflix show like in 2019. And yeah. so up until then, I had never seen anyone like talk about decluttering, but also how emotional it was. And I'd never seen anyone cry. Like, and I remember I was showing my kids the show and, uh, I had showed them the first episode, which had other kids too. And then I was watching a piece later myself and it was a woman who had lost her husband. And she was talking about how hard it was for her to declutter her clothes, his clothing. And I just remember seeing that. And I was like, that like maybe captures, you know, a, a fraction of that's the closest thing that I've ever seen to like what I feel when I look at my mom's stuff, my dad's stuff, all the stuff from my grandparents, you know, and I just, that was the first time I really identified with someone ever in decluttering. And I thought, you know, when I'm doing this, when I'm done with this, maybe I want to share my story too, because seeing her helped me so much. I feel like maybe I can help someone else too. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So yeah. much sense when you put it that way, because I think a lot of times, um, especially you know, we both started with blogs and, and things like that and got the YouTube. And a lot of times that I think there's content around, uh, just where everything looks put together and everything's aesthetic. And they'll say, eliminate, get rid of, 
But the process itself is really difficult, which is why so many people have so much stuff. So for you to really show that is amazing because then people don't feel alienated or they can see like, I'm not the only one who's struggling here, you know? Right. Yeah. When I, I remember like in the garage part, I go through these tubs, like literally just tubs of things. And I remember I had to go through this, just an entire giant plastic tub. And it was all the cards that I'd ever received my entire life, literally from when my mom was pregnant with me and she had a baby shower and there were cards from my baby shower on every birthday, every holiday, every you know, this and that. And I was just like sobbing as I went through this giant tub of cards. And I knew, you know, I hadn't looked at those things. They, I didn't have any attachment to most of them out of that entire giant box of cards. I kept, I think two cards. I actually have one on my vision board. I'm looking at it right now. It has a fairy and it says, may all your dreams come true. And it signed XOXO from my mom. And that was something that she always signed was like XOXO love from mom. And I keep it on my vision board because I think that like, I, I hope that, you know, a mother's wish for her daughter's dreams to come true. I think that's a very powerful thing. And now I, my dream is to help other people uh, make their dreams come true, declutter their, their best life. Right. And then the other card I kept was from a Halloween party that had, uh, she arranged for me. It was, uh, towards the end of her life. I think she was pretty sick by then, but she'd made it like the best Halloween party. It was so cool. We had like, we had, my dad had tractors and stuff like, cause he was a landscaper. We had like a hay, a haunted hayride. And she had her friend dress up as a fortune teller and tell fortunes. And so I have all her handwriting on there and she wrote out everyone's name who came to the party. And so I kept out of an entire tub of ju- cards. I kept those two cards. That was it. Aww, and then that- it's just like, so much of that kind of stuff, you know, emotionally charged, but it's not stuff that I need to carry forward with me, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's what I would imagine, like, in a a thing full of cards, there's probably a lot of like from your baby shower where there's a lot of ones where you were going, who's this person? Exactly. There's no emotional connection. That's exactly it. And there's so many things like that. And another thing I've talked about a lot before is um, my family being uh, like literally hoarding running in my family. They were big into collecting and it was always like, we have to collect these things. We have to keep them nice. My dad collected coins and he collected antiques and he collected old cars and we collected longer burger baskets and all of this stuff. And they would give me Barbies, like tons of Barbies. I had, I think eight giant boxes of Barbies alone. And I had no really emotional connection to them because I never got to play with them. We just like got them and kept them in boxes because someday my, my families said someday they were going to pay for my college. But the thing is when I decided I wanted to declutter these things and I wanted to let go of them and I started actually selling them, they were worth actually less like a third to a half less of what they were back when they were bought in the eighties and nineties. And so for me, it was just so sad for me to think like all of my parents' hopes, you know, my parents and my grandparents' hopes, like, you know, these will be worth something for someday, you know, all the money spent and the collecting and this and that, when we could have just been focusing on each other instead of collecting stuff, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and if, if, if they even could have put not not even in an investment account, just 
put that money into a savings for you, that would have been so much more helpful. You know, right. but I think that, that they came from a place where, because uh, that's familiar to me too. And I, I did like a blog post on it recently just because it was kind of stirring in my brain where I had Spice Girls. I loved me some Spice Girls back in the day. And my mom was like, well, you keep them in the box. And I was like, no, I want to play with them. So I took them out and played with them. And yes. now I looked up and it would have been like a, like a $30 profit or something if I were to have kept them all and sold them now, but carried them around for the last 20 years. <laughs> it's but, like, but you got so much joy playing with those things back in the day. And that's what it's all about, right? Like that's the same philosophy that I have with the stuff that I kept is I have a lot of sentimental stuff. I got rid of 95% of my stuff and the stuff that I kept is the most meaningful and sentimental, but it's, I have such a connection to it and I would rather have, you know, something sentimental like the, the, uh, vase from my grandmother on my shelf, or I have her perfume bottle that I kept like, because she was always, I thought so fancy. She has like the perfume bottle on the mirrored tray on her, uh, dresser in her house. And like, uh, I used to be able to spray it and I could still smell her perfume. It's faded now with the years, but like, you know, those kinds of reminders, those are the things I like to make space for. Absolutely. And I was thinking that when you were talking about the cards, because you said you had this big tote filled with cards and your mom's, those cards that you kept were buried in there. And now they're out and displayed for you to see every day, you know, and to like feel and connect with your mom every day with that reminder. Right. I actually wear my mom's wedding ring. I know people who are just listening to your podcast can't see it, but I'm showing it to Renee now. And uh, it's the wedding band that she got up uh, I think on her 10 year anniversary, my dad got her this ring. He gave this one to me. My sister has her first ring. So we each got one of my mom's rings and I wear it every day. So that's like, for me, that's an, you know, a special reminder. It's sentimental. I get to wear it every single day, but it's a part of my life, right? It's like a, a active part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. So something that I know when I feel like part of me, I'm kind of a weirdo in the sense when it came to sentimental items uh, and probably to people in general, I had just put up a wall. So it was sometimes I had a tough time, but a lot of times it was almost just like uh, I had decided that none of that stuff mattered. And I just kind of had to detach myself from, from the process of crying about it and feeling sad because I don't know, I'm just a weirdo. That's how I operate. Okay. But I love how you are so open and vulnerable. And, you know, we, we talked about this recently that do you feel like it was a really healing process? Because something that I have noticed when I talk with friends or people is like, they don't even want to feel the sad. Like I'm saying about me, I suppose they don't even want to feel it. Like, why would I bring this up? Or why would I let go of this stuff when it makes me so sad? You mm -hmm. went through that and now you're on the other side of it. Do you feel like there was a lot of benefits to allowing yourself to, to grieve all that stuff? Huge. Absolutely. It was a huge part of the healing process for me because in my family, like starting with the, when my mother passed away, it's just like, we didn't deal with our emotions. We boxed our emotions up along with all of her stuff and just kept it in boxes. And that's how my family dealt with stuff. And it's like, I remember my dad with his landscaping business is 
he had, we had two barns. We had an old barn and then the new barn. And when something broke, like let's say a shovel broke, it goes in the barrel in the old barn, you know, to keep for later because things, you know, we're always going to get around to these things to fix them to later or to do them to for later, or we'll need them for later. And I think that being able to finally let this stuff go and facing those emotions, it was very hard. I'm not going, there's no denying that, but it was also hugely cathartic to finally face the fears, face the feelings and also release them and let go. You know, there's a quote that goes, if you're brave enough to say goodbye, life will reward you with a new hello. And I said goodbye to this stuff. And in doing so, I said hello to more, you know, space in my home, more peace of mind, you know, because I didn't have so much stuff weighing on my mind. Basically, I had all of this stuff that I was living in like a, a museum. I was in living in a museum for other people's stuff, but it wasn't making me happy, right? Well, I suppose that makes sense. Even just if I think about walking through a museum now, or it can almost feel kind of cold. And like, I like walking through museums where I'm like, oh, there's so much to see, but it doesn't have a very warm, welcoming, homey type of feeling. Mm -hmm. And as I'm walking through, it'll be like, maybe by the time I leave, I remember like one piece that really stood out. Do you know what I mean? Like you can kind of just, the whole background can kind of blur in a museum. Yeah. Because not everything is stand out or be special you know? Right. Right. But like a museum, as far as like, like a museum, what I think is a good thing to take away from that is what we need to do is to curate our lives, right? We want it to, we want to have special things out that are meaningful to us, but not everything is worth, you know, having and keeping and putting on display, right? We want to keep the most special pieces and that's what I've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And so, uh, do you have like maybe one thing? Cause we talk about the stuff that you, you kept, do you have one thing that you'd want to share that, uh, you, you were, you let go of that, you know, was truly a difficult thing to part with? Oh, I actually, I have a story that I've never told anyone I think before, it was the hardest thing I think I had to let go of. And it wasn't even really a thing at all. It was my old phone number. <laughs> oh, this okay. is so weird. Okay. So yeah. So when we, I guess I need to go back and say, so the reason we decided to move overseas is because my husband's family is here. And so when we were decluttering and letting go of all of this stuff, we had been looking at houses. We thought we had found house several times and then everything like would go wrong. Like we discover mold in the ceiling in one place, you know, or literally a crack in the wall of like the cement wall of another place. So it's like everything that could go wrong would go wrong. Total Murphy's law. And it's like, we were just getting more and more frustrated. And I remember my husband was just like, you know, I, I don't think I even want to be here anymore. I think I want to go back and be around my family. And that's something that we had not had because obviously most of my family has passed away and he has his parents and his sisters too and whatnot. And I was like, I'm 
you know, totally on board. We're getting rid of all this stuff anyway. Why not? So we ended up getting rid of that stuff. We moved overseas with only eight suitcases, really boxes and suitcases, but eight suitcases. But the, one of the things I had to let go of was I had to let go of my USA phone number. And that for me was like super duper hard. I didn't even, sometimes you don't even know how hard a thing is going to let go until you actually go to let it go. And for me, I was thinking about, I'd had that phone number since I was 18 years old. It was the first phone that I got. And I was thinking about like all the phone calls that I'd made to, you know, my dad and my grandparents and like texting them and all of this, like, for some reason, it just made me, I'm getting emotional right now. It just made me really emotional to think that like, I was letting go of this anchor to my past and that, you know, that's, that's a period of time that I had to just you know, like, oh, it's, it didn't make sense for me to keep it. It's so, I think it's so weird, the things that we can get emotionally attached to. But for me, that was definitely one of those things. So I uh, definitely had to learn to detach myself from things like that, that just don't serve a purpose in my life anymore. Yeah, that makes so much sense when you say it, though. Uh, I mean, it's, it was literally, it's, our phone number is literally our connection, you know? Right. So many. Right. It's like literally like I lose like a past connection that I had to like, you know, the, the family, you know, like hearing their voices over the phone, you know, this and that. So I don't know. It was a very emotional moment for me. Honestly, I feel that. And I, I've never thought about that. Um, but I bet, I mean, you moved to a whole new country too. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. And of course there's tons of other physical stuff that I let go of too, like clothes and, oh, uh, you know, keepsakes and, and jewelry boxes and this and that. But the things that were most meaningful, and important to me are the things that I kept and brought with me. So no regrets. No regrets, none at all. It's amazing how little you actually need when you really, you know, start decluttering and you focus on when you, you focus on what you want to keep and let go of the rest. It's just become so much easier that focusing on what is meaningful and aligned with the life that you want to have. Right. You're I mean, I know that I feel that, but I feel like when you said at that time, it just kind of struck a chord as like, almost like your, your focus begins to shift to good and happy and positive, not just stuff, but just in general, you kind of just make this gravitational shift. I think it's uh, definitely important to see focus on the positive aspects. Like it's not about what you're taking away. It's about what you're adding and you're giving yourself back. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because I think people hear, you know, if I say like I practice minimalism or I declutter my stuff, uh, I think a lot of people have this instinct to like, no, you know, you can't take all my things away from me. But yeah, that the ability that it it opens you up to enhance and fulfill your life. So, mm-hmm. how would you say you're different versus 2016? You, I sometimes I feel like I'm the same person. And yet looking back, I can realize how much I've changed because I used to feel like a squirrel bouncing off the walls, like just 
a ball of anxiety, you know, always too much to do, but never enough time to do it. I can barely keep track of what's going on because I'm trying to juggle so many balls and it's so hard because I had two kids. I had two little kids. My boys were toddlers at that time. My husband was working like super long hours. So it was just me. I never had any help. And I always felt constantly stressed out and overwhelmed. And like I was literally drowning in mess. And it's so frustrating because you feel like you all day long are just picking up after people and tidying things up and cleaning. And then at the end of the day, you look around and it's still a mess. And you're like, what have I, what am I doing with my life? Right. <laughs> so now that you're saying that, cause this is kind of something I've debated because a lot of times people ask me how to, I'm sure you get the same questions. Like, how do you manage with kids? And your kids are younger than mine. So you might have better insights to this than I would. Uh, because I think I try to wonder if 10 years ago when my kids were little, when I was in that same kind of squirrel mindset, I, I, I feel that if I had applied this kind of lifestyle back then, you know, would it have truly helped? Would it yeah. have prevented the squirrel? Or is it just those, that young kid stage is just going to bring that anyway? I think it would help because, uh, you know, and also anxiety, like that's something that I've always lived with. I think it's generational, like it runs in my family and I don't want to live like that. And I don't want to pass it on to my kids because anxiety is one of those things that really can be passed on to your kids. And all of this, this stress, when you always feel like you're constantly overwhelmed and you have too much to do and your kids can feel that, you know, they feed off of it. And studies have shown that too many toys are not good for kids. Like they, all kids want, I feel like all kids want more toys. You know, even my kids sometimes feel like I want this or that, but if you just ask them to wait now, they're pretty good. They're like, no, well, yeah, I don't want that anymore. It happens all the time. Like they'll say they want something. And then I check in with them later after, you know, we put it down on the ideas list. And then it's like, no, I don't want that. But I think that definitely you know, if you, the earlier you can start with your kids, the better. And then it gives you as a mom, so much peace of mind, which gives your kids in turn so much more peace of mind. Like something that I've talked about before is that my son used to grind his teeth at night because my husband and I are both teeth grinders. So we, we are night guards at night. Um, and my son used to do it and I was really worried about him. But after we decluttered, I've noticed that he no longer grinds his teeth at night. So obviously he's feeling that relief too, you know, even though they can't articulate it and they can't express it. And, you know, they probably, you know, most kids still would want more toys. They really enjoy the feeling of like not having so much stuff and so much stress. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I love that you called it an ideas list. Um, that's so smart. And I share about like with shop, with my shopping addiction, it helped me so much to just take a picture of something so I could walk mm -hmm. away. So mm -hmm. I've been doing that same thing with my kids where they're at the point now, if they want anything throughout the year beyond like birthdays, Christmas, which we don't even really maybe like books or something, or where there's something we really feel that they need, but otherwise we don't really buy them stuff for those things, which is foreign to probably everyone, but you that's still listening. <laughs> um, but my, my son goes through the process of they're both buy their own things now. 
uh, and my daughter is probably similar to me in the sense, like she likes to spend her money on time with friends. Like maybe they'll, they'll stop at Starbucks together and get their little Starbucks drinks. And, you know, uh, but my son is always like, Oh, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And I've been making him wait. I'm like, okay, well I will help you go through that purchase. Cause it's usually like online mm-hmm. in a week. And that week comes and he's wanted a whole new thing. I'm like, okay, this whole new thing that you really, really, really want now check back in a week. Come, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because it slows it. And I think for younger kids, like you've got your kids are a few years younger than mine. That can be so genius for any parents listening. I think to go, Oh, you want that? Let's get it on your ideas list then. So they feel like, yeah, they can check it off. Like, sweet. I, you know, they've like, you did something about it. You did something yes. about their, their desire, but then it kind of can maybe be off of their mind then at that point. And then when right. it comes to the back, like, Oh, I don't want that anymore. That's yeah. so good. I love it. I think that it works for adults too. You know, I do the same thing for myself and I have, I have a paper one. And sometimes if I'm out and about and I see something, I'll write it down in the notes app on my phone. And then I'll think, you know, and there's different time periods that people wait. Some people wait a week. Some people do. I'm more of like 30 days or longer. Sometimes I just, cause I'm never in a rush. I like to take my time and really consider like, where would this thing live? You know? And uh, you know, do I have a place for it and how much value would it add to my life? So I'm very, uh, intentional with the kinds of things that I bring into my home. Cause once you bring it in, it's harder to get rid of it. It's harder to get rid of stuff once it's in your home versus, yeah. you know, taking the time to step back and ask, do I really need this thing? Right. You said your children are a lot less stressed with the, a more clutter-free home. Uh, and I've noticed that for our neighborhood, for my friends and their friends, our place was kind of like the, the catch-all for children. <laughs> this is the place where kids gathered. And a lot of them were saying it was, your your house has less, cl- like they were saying specifically to me that it was the fact that there was less clutter here. That they, the kids were saying that? They were. They, they did. I've had a couple of kids say that to me, that they like being here because it's a lot. Like I don't know if they necessarily said clutter-free, but that was, you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, being that they're not my kids and having other outside kids come say, I feel comfortable here because it just feels calmer here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it I, really is a feeling. Yeah. And parents worry so much about, yeah, like you said, not, not getting all the things or not owning all the things, but. I know when I think back to when I was a kid, it's not the toys that I remember playing with really. I read books, but what I really liked to do is like build forts and play outside and do cartwheels and handstands and build paper airplanes and fly them. And that's exactly what we do in our home, you know, and yeah. we have so much space to do it. So it's wonderful. Oh, that's so great. Now, what advice would you give to people who are kind of going through your same journey of struggling with the emotional clutter or the emotional objects? I think that the most helpful mindset shift that I made was something I call it the, this is not a pipe concept. And I got the idea from the surrealist painter, Marguerite. He painted a picture of a pipe and on in it, he said, 
in, in French, but the translation is, this is not a pipe. So it's a painting of a pipe with text that says, this is not a pipe. Because a picture of a thing can never be the thing, right? So for me, when I was looking at all of my family's stuff, and I was attaching the memories of them to this stuff, what I have to realize is a jewelry box from my mother is not my mother. This box of cards from my mother is not my mother. I had a lot of Harley, Dav Harley Davidson stuff from my dad because he loved Harley Davidson. I had like, you know, the collectible, a knife collection and, you know, clothing and his leather boots and his, all this helmet and all this stuff. And I have to say this Harley stuff is not my father and I'm never going to ride a Harley Davidson in my life. So therefore I am doing, I'm not doing it, it, the stuff, my father or myself a favor by holding on to this, I should actually be sending it on to someone else that could probably enjoy it and give it a, a new chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's just so funny to me when you say some of the things you say, it's um, like not really reading the minimalism books. And this was, that was my helpful thing too. And I think that was why it was so easy for me to get rid of stuff because uh, it was my grandma. My grandma's always my tough one. I have to say like, she's not anymore gone. If I get rid of, you know, this, like it's never her. Right. Oh, I love that. Who, who was the painter for the, the pipe, the knot pipe? I don't know if I say the name right, but in, uh, it's, uh, Rene Magritte. Okay. M-A-G-R-I-T-E. I think it is. Yeah. He's a surrealist painter. If you search up, this is not a pipe surrealism. It'll definitely come up. The actual painting I believe is called the treachery of images, but of course, people had a lot of opinions on it back in the day as like, what do you mean? It's not a pipe. Of course it's a pipe. Look, there's a pipe right there, but I totally get it. Like a picture of a thing can never be the thing. So I think learning to detach ourselves from our stuff. And then also it's not just like for sentimental stuff too. I want to mention this because maybe people aren't, maybe they haven't lost people like I have, but you can also get attached to other stuff like aspirational kids toys. Can we please talk about aspirational kids toys? Because like I see these Instagram feeds from like Montessori moms. And I used to want to be like the Montessori mom and get the Montessori wooden toys and have the beautifully curated, you know, uh, play area and this and that. And I got these toys for my kids and they never played with them. And yet I was so emotionally attached to these because I was like, this is what they should play with. This is so good for their mental, you know, mental development. And this is going to make you geniuses. And, you know, it, it looks so great. And I got this play kitchen. It wasn't like a Montessori play kitchen, but it was a play kitchen. I spent, I think like almost 200 bucks on this play kitchen. I shopped forever. I was like getting super coupon sales. I think it was from uh, Toys R Us or something back then. So I could get the, the price down and I finally got it. And cause my son loved to play in toy kitchens in my other people's homes. But when I brought it to my home, he like never played with this thing. It took up so much space. My husband was bugging me about it. He's like, he'll, you know, why do you buy that? It's so ridiculous. I'm like, no, no, he's going to play with it. Just watch. He's going to spend hours playing with it. And of course he didn't, but it was oh. so hard for me to let go of the hope and, you know, the, the, the emotional attachment that I had put into that too. And I think that we have to let go, like what our kids play with is what they play with. Like we have to let our kids decide for themselves what they like. Yeah. 
absolutely. I love that you call it aspirational kids race because, and do you feel like, I mean, you just said, yeah, but like, it wasn't the toy. It was your idea of, you know, this, this vision that you had for the toy or this belief. Right. This idealized fantasy self of like the perfect mother who always has very educational toys for her kids and they play for hours by themselves and are, you know, so focused. And, you know, (laughs) I think that a lot of us can have this aspirational hope for like our kids, but then like what my kids like to do is like chase each other around and, and wrestle on the floor and, you know, throw, uh, soft balls at each other and build play forts and, and, you know, rowdy, rowdy stuff a lot of times too, or they like plastic toys, like even cheap plastic toys. They would rather play with that versus the, you know, these expensive wood Montessori toys that I got. So that was definitely, a a life lesson for me is you can't always predict what your kids are going to like, and you might have the best intentions in the world, but if something's not getting used, then it's just taking up space. Yeah. That's, I struggled with that with um, my kids for the look of their bedrooms and the clothes that they wear. Uh, I think I grew up with a mom and a grandma who very much with the best of intentions dressed me like their little doll, like, you know, um, and so I kind of grew up feeling like we always have to look perfect and put together. And I had two girls who were like, mm, nope, boy shorts and t-shirts, please. And it was like eating away at my soul. All of these things, not just in parenthood though. I think, you know, people have these aspirations for themselves, like the gym clothes and the, you know, absolutely. The, like, I'm going to take up painting or whatever it might be. Okay. Right. Right. So many people have these fantasy self items. I guess. So real quick, we'll wrap this up here, but because you were saying this, um, what would you, what would your like suggestion be to another mom? Because like you said about the play kitchen, your son played with other people's play kitchens. So that's what I do say that. And I feel like my mom trigger goes up because I'm like, I hated those times where you think, no, they're going to play. He's going to play with it because he plays with it at other people's houses. So it sounds like a really intelligent purchase in that sense. Like um, you think it's something that's going to be used and then it's not. Mm-hmm. If you have anyone else who's feeling like that, like they really wanted this or they play with it everywhere else. So I bought it. Now what? But they're not using it. Let go of the guilt and let go if you have financial guilt, especially because like for the play kitchen, it was something that was quite expensive. And so I had a lot of financial guilt wrapped up in it too. And you just have to let it go because, you know, it was purchased with the best of intentions. You did the best you could with the the information that you have. And sometimes things are hit or miss with kids. You never know what's going to land. So let go of the guilt and let go of the thing. So I did end up selling that play kitchen. We actually sold it to our, uh, uh, kindergarten back then I listed it and then they contacted me. They're like, Hey, um, we're actually your kindergarten. We could use that. And so I sold it to them and it was great to be able to get rid of it. I got rid of a bunch of the, the toy food and all of the stuff. Like, you know, the little Melissa and Doug, like wood chopping fake food. That's like, yeah. looks so nice. And they never wanted to play with any of it. It just got 
you know, pulled apart and scattered all over the floor. So it was so freeing to let go of my attachment to that thing and all of the guilt that I had wrapped up in it. So I would say just definitely let go of the guilt. It's a learning experience. Yeah. Do you think for us and for like, not even just for the things we buy for our kids, but for ourselves? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's such a great, a great way of putting it. Just letting go of the thing, but also the stress or the attachment, the, the guilt that we would need to feel behind it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, well, thanks so much, Marissa. This was such an awesome chat. I knew it would be. If you had one piece of advice for someone who is maybe kind of on the fence of, you know, like struggling with the idea of starting decluttering, like, I know so many people want that home. They want the peace that, that they see other people have, um, but maybe have some kind of anxieties and resistance around it. Any final pieces of advice for someone who might be kind of doing that? Yeah, I would say really think about what you want as a family, or I, I assume that people watching are families, but even if you're not a family, just thinking about what you want. And when most of us think about like a lot of times it might be a little bit morbid, but I think like when I get to the end of the, uh, the life and like, if we're going to have something written on our gravestone, it's not going to be like she had an amazing couch or, you know, her curtains were fantastic or, you know, uh, she always wore, you know, uh, $500 jeans, you know, that's not the stuff that's going to leave, you know, that's not our legacy. Like, what do you really want to create space for in your life? And like, really sit down and think about that for yourself and, or for your family. And like, start with why is like, what are you trying to create more space for? Right. So that was something that I wasn't clear on myself. And that's what extended, I think, my decluttering journey is I wasn't really starting with like why beyond. I just wanted to get rid of clutter and maybe feel a little bit better, but maybe something stronger than that. You know, what do you really want to prioritize? Because when you don't set the priorities for your life, there's all these other things that are always going to be coming up and vying for attention and taking up space and taking up your time. So it's like, what do you really want to focus on and maybe start there? And then let go of whatever else. Yeah, exactly. Focus on what to keep, not what to let go. The letting go is secondary. And so you have a declutter guide or a starter kit um, for anybody who wants to yeah. have it. I have a 10 page decluttering checklist. If anyone wants to grab that down in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll link to it in the show notes as a place. If someone is ready out there kind of looking for ideas on somewhere to get started. But thank you so much, Marissa, for joining and hanging out with us today and sharing. And you're always so open and vulnerable about this stuff. So I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I had a lot of fun chatting with you, Renee. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love. Until next time.